Morning, everybody. It's wonderful to be here. It's, a, it's, it's incredible just to have communion, isn't it? You know, and even just without a sermon, just to be in the presence of God, and John and I were sitting in front and looking back and just see the family, you know, having fellowship and community and just enjoying Jesus because it's all for His glory. So make a noise for the people watching online. Yep. Bup, 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 bup. Okay. Um, I'm sure we're going to have a, an awesome time, and, and, and I really believe God has got a special message and a special thing that He wants to put on your heart. So the character I chose was Job. Okay, so, yeah. So I would like you to turn to the most depressing book in the Bible. So... <laughs> I do say that with tongue-in-cheek because there was victory at the end. And the reason I chose Job is because my father had a, you know, he always spoke about Job. If we have time at the end, I'm going to tell the story. If not, um, I'm not going to. But let me tell you, it is not. <laughs> if I don't have time, I don't have time. But let me tell you, it is not a simple book. Job is probably the oldest book in the Bible. Some people think that Genesis is the oldest book. It's actually not. Job is the oldest book. Um, it was written during the patriarchal era, which means Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. It was written more or less then. And there's a couple of reasons why. I'm not going to get into that now. So most scholars believe it was written then. Um, <laughs> John is laughing. <laughs> yes, I've got all the facts written down. <laughs> so um, he, they didn't have the law. It was before the law of Moses. It was long before um, the crucifixion. Job was probably not his real name, because Job actually means uh, persecuted and hated. That's what it means. So if you've got a job that you hate, that's exactly where it comes from. Okay? <laughs> so we believe that, that the, the name was given to him by his friends that actually, you know, it was a nickname that was given to him by his friends. All these three mates that came to give him advice during his, yeah, 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 great friends in times of, of, of his struggle. But it's a very difficult book because... It has a disproportionate amount of questions in the book. It's got over 330 questions. Questions about suffering. The main theme in the book is about human suffering. Why do bad things happen to good people, especially to Job? Because this isn't a, this isn't a rags to riches story. We love rags to riches stories. When people come from poverty and struggle and work their way up and they hit victory and they're on this mountaintop. We love that. This is exactly the opposite. And the funny thing is, you know, this book can actually mess with your theology because nowhere in this book does it say why God allows the suffering. But also, I was brought up, if you do good, good things are going to happen to you. Obey God, good things are going to happen to you. You're going to be blessed. Some churches preach that. If your child dies because you prayed over your child, I know of a story that, that this happened about a guy that prayed for his child to be healed. The pastors came to him and the elders and said, pray, 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 she's going to be healed. And when the child died, the pastors told, told the father, it's because you didn't have enough faith. That's a blow in the stomach, eh? Oh. And, and so we think that, you know, if we do bad things, bad things are going to happen to us. So that's true also. I mean, it is true. But nobody here, we've all gone through struggling, even though we are committed to Christ. Okay, so, I mean, it's got the most questions. I think Psalms has got 160 questions. Genesis has got 150 questions. So, Job is a very, it's a book that, um, there was this one pastor that, um, that studied for 25 years. He studied the book of Job. He did over 500 sermons just on Job. I don't think John will allow me to do that. So, what I chose to do was, was to, to look at the seven things that Job did in response to his suffering, because I believe, and that is very clear in, in the book of Job, it's, it's, it's how, how did a man like Job respond to what was happening? And I believe Jesus wants us, because Jesus did exactly those things, those seven things, and, um, and, 
And I believe that's how we bring glory to God through our suffering. So I want you guys to turn to, with us to um, Job 1. So just a quick overview. Job is a guy that was filthy rich, very wealthy. He was, the, he was blameless. He was upright. God loved him. And then there was this meeting in heaven where the enemy, Satan, his name is she's not Satan. It's a title given to him. It means the accuser. So Satan comes to him and says, listen, the only reason you bless Job like this, or the only reason he loves you so much is because you bless him. So take away everything and stuff, and I'm sure he's going to curse you to your face. So there's a whole, there's a lot of things that happen in the heavenly realm that Job is not aware of, and then he loses everything, goes through tremendous suffering for like 37 chapters. Eventually, yeah, eventually God pitches up and restores Job. That's the, the quick overview of, of, of the book. But let's go to and read Job 1. <clears throat> In the land of Oz, there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. Blameless doesn't mean that he was completely innocent. It just means he walked with moral integrity. Okay? Oz was, the land of Oz was southeast of the Jordan River. He's in northern Arabia, for those of you who know that part. He wasn't an Israelite. Job was not an Israelite. There's no mention of Israel in the book of Job. Okay? He feared God and shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters, ten children. And he owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 donkeys, and had a large number of servants. He was the greatest and richest man among all the people of the East. Who of you have watched Squid Games? Okay, so that amount of money, 50 billion, that equals his wealth today. He was worth about 50 million US dollars today. Um, and uh, he was a very, very, very wealthy man. He was... He had the most influence. He was exceptionally popular. People all over the world came to him to ask him for advice and counsel and everything. So he wasn't just, you know, we are all rich in Christ, but we don't have his wealth. And we probably don't have 10 children. Okay, so, so verse 6. One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. You know, in the heavenly realms, we don't understand what happens there, but we can, we do see that the angels and Satan has has to be accountable to God. They've got to come and account for something before God. The Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? He obviously knew where he came from, but he asked Satan, where did you come from? And Satan says, from roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it, patrolling. And what is Satan doing? He studies people. That's what he does. He sits and he watches people, okay? And he's like a, like a, like a lion, you know, wanting to find weaknesses to destroy people. It also shows us that, that the enemy is not omnipresent, He's not a lot of people say, Satan is attacking me. He's probably not. His demons are, but Satan is not omnipresent. I think Satan has got bigger fish to fry than just you, okay? So, but, but you know, he's got a network of, of, of demons and, and, and stuff, so Satan is not omnipresent, okay? Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Have you seen Job? Have you recognized my servant Job? There's no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. That's why I say he's the greatest hero of all the heroes that you other pastors have chosen. Because nowhere in the word of God does God brag about someone that much than with Job. Imagine Job says, says about um, Dimitri. Have you seen my servant Dimitri? There's no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Imagine God says it about you. Yeah? Nowhere in the world, in the Bible, does God speak about anybody like that than with Job. Okay? So, and Job has got no idea that this is happening, right? He's got, if he knew what was happening, he would have been honored to go through this, the, the trials and the sufferings. He didn't know what was going on. Okay, so, Satan replies, 
Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, very well then, everything he has in your power, but on the man himself do not lay a finger. Then Satan went out from the presence of, of the Lord. So <clears throat> what Satan says is a very solid and you know, just the, it's a it's a question that's that's that we ask ourselves. You know, often. You know, he says to Job, he says, or to, to God, the only reason why Job is loving you so much is because you protect him, you bless him, you've got victory. And how often do we bless God and love God when things are going well with us? It is so simple. It's so easy when we're on the mountaintops, always having victory, having victory, having victory, to praise and love. But Satan says that only happens because you bless him so much. Take away everything. And I'm sure he's going to curse you to your face. And you'll see here, Satan can't do anything that God doesn't permit. God didn't inflict the punishment. He allowed Satan to go. So Satan has got a leash on him. I just often wonder why the leash is so long. But, so Havoc struck, okay? Um, You can go read through it. In one day, Job loses everything. He loses his flock. He loses his camels. He loses his livestock. Uh, the Chaldeans come and they, they slay the, the servants. It is just horrific. Then a whirlwind comes and his house falls apart and all ten his children die. Now imagine just for one second, everything you have, your children, your family, everything disappears right now. You lose everything. Everything. Okay? Richest man, he, he, he lost his, his influence, he lost his popularity, just lost everything in one day. Okay? So, I mean, it was just havoc. And, and, and here's the thing that unnerves us about reading this book is because we've got no guarantee that what happened to Job can't happen to us. That's why it's so unsettling to all of us. <clears throat> so, at this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Flippin' hell. So all this happens, he shaves his head, which is normal, toys, clothing, he's grieving, grieving is good, grieving, going through it. it's honesty, it's really flippant, just being honest about how you feel. It's easy to say for all of us, blessed is the Lord who gives and who takes away. How difficult is it not when that happens, you fall onto your knees and you praise and worship God. Who has done that here? I sure haven't. Always when things happen to us, you know, the first thing we do is we complain, we blame, we say, why is this happening? Now, let me tell you one thing. I believe that's number one. That's the first thing how God wants us to respond to suffering is in worship. doesn't matter what happens. You fall and you praise and you love God and you worship Him, okay? It's, it's so difficult to do. And let me tell you, I believe that when you do that, God literally falls off His throne. I think it shakes heaven so much. Because I don't believe that complaining moves God. But something like this, when you praise God in your suffering, I believe it moves his heart like so, 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 so much. I mean, if you think in Acts where Paul and Silas, when they were thrown in jail, they were beaten, they were broken, they were in pieces, they were totally flippant, just messed up. They were put in jail. What do they do that evening? They sing little hymns and songs. How crazy was that? And because of that, that it was like an earthquake that came and the jail's cells swung open. That's the right English word, eh? I mean, I believe there's so much power in that, is to worship God while you are in that place. And you know, pain does something incredible with us. It removes the veneer. 
It beneath a very thin layer, and, you know, and it really shows us who we are, who we truly are. And it can either move you away from Christ, and it can move you towards Christ. And I pray that it moves you towards your Father. I've got a friend that's in the film industry, and, and he did just the opposite to him. And I spoke to him the other day, and he's gone through so much havoc. His life is chaotic because somehow he just went the other way through all the pain and suffering, you know. And we're praying, we're praying for him for that. So, um, and I think, you know, that it's an incredible statement of faith. That's why God loves it so much. It's when we go and we, we love him. Because, you know, sometimes I believe God will calm the storms around us, but sometimes he will calm us in the storms. Okay? And of course, you know, if you, if you, um, you, know, if you, if you know God's faithfulness, that he will never tempt you beyond what you can't handle. He'll never tempt you beyond what you can handle. So here comes his second test, Job's second test. On another day, the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, From roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? And in this context, considered means you've been watching him. And in Greek, that word considered means you've been watching to work out the greatest strategy of attack. Okay? Attack! Okay. And um, the Lord said to him, there's no one on earth like him. He's blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil, and he still maintains his integrity. Though you incited me against him to ruin him without any reason. And then Satan says, skin for skin, Satan replied. A man will give all he has for his own life, but now stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones, and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, very well then, he is in your hands, but you must spare your life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord, the Lord and afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the crown of his head. Then Job took a piece of broken pottery and scraped himself with it as he sat among the ashes. Now let me tell you, the boils that he received throughout his conversations with his friends, you'll realize what actually happened to him. So he had boils. He had maggots in all those boils. He speaks about the worms, the maggots that was in his boils. Okay? He had nightmares every single day of night of his life. Nightmares that was coming to him. Okay, so mental agony. And his skin was darkening, and eventually his skin fell off him. His, that's what happened with him. Now imagine you lose everything, and that happens with him. And then comes the greatest blessing of, of all. His wife says to him, are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. You know? Great wife. Awesome. Awesome support there. But now you must remember... The wife also lost everything. She lost 10 children. She lost wealth. She also lost everything. So that is what most people go, oh, bad wife, when you read that. But that's how most people will usually respond. Look at your situation. Look at this. Come on, man, please. You have faith. You have this. God doesn't exist. There's no good in life. That's how people will react. That's what people do. So um, he replied, you are talking like a foolish woman. Foolish, Geraldine. No, you're not foolish. <laughs> not at all. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? In all this, Job did not sin in what he said. So number two, he didn't allow someone else's opinion to rob him of his own conviction. That's number two. How many times have that happened with you? You've got a conviction from God or something happens, somebody else says something to you and you just go, oh, you're probably right. You've got a dream, something excited that you want to do, the dream stealer comes and says to you, no, that's never going to work and you just kind of give it up, okay? Um, I mean, because, you see, we don't see what is happening behind the scenes in the really real. 
And, uh, and James 1 verse 12 says, says very clearly, Blessed is the one who perseveres under, under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. You know, stand on the word of God. God, stand on what you know. Don't, don't um, allow somebody else to make you doubt your faith in God. It happens with us every single day. The onslaughts of the world, the onslaughts of our friends, the onslaughts of people closest to us, the answers. It wants to help us because that's what the enemy wants to do. He's demons. He wants us to waver in our faith. Okay. Then chapter 3 to 37, his three friends comes along. Eliphaz the Timonite, Bildad the Shuat, he was the worst of them all. Okay. Zophar the, the Amethyte. And, um, and these friends were seen as some of the wisest people in that area and they came to give him counsel and to mourn with him and to like literally just sit with him and 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 be with him and job at that time is venting <clears throat> he, he talks about uh, may the day of my birth perish you know may the dark you know the skies darken up and everything and let me tell you venting is good venting is good Geraldine often sits me down and she says hey, okay i'm not going to vent whatever i'm going to say there's this bubble in between us right here she's there i'm here now i'm going to vent don't take it on. I'm talking it into the bubble. Okay? And then she goes. <laughs> uh, often when she comes and sits down, she says, okay, and I say, are you going to vent now? Is this now about me? Is it personally? So we sit down and we vent. Venting is good. Okay? Because if you don't vent and you don't grieve properly, it's going to come out sooner or later in destructive behavior. So it's good. And we people, we can vent amongst one another. We don't have to act as if we've got everything together. We can tell one another. No, 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 no. no. Okay. okay. So... His three friends come along, and, and, this was, and, and how it works is, so the three friends, it goes in cycles of three. Eliphaz speaks three times, Job replies to him, then the other friend speaks three times, and Job replies. And basically what they are saying, they're saying, you're suffering, Job, because you've sinned. Because they believe in a just God, and you must have sinned. That is why God is punishing you like that. And it just gets worse and worse. Bildad tells him that, listen here, your, um, your children died because they sinned. I mean, how bad is that? Okay? So Job... Um, so Job tells them, and this is something so incredible, during all of that conversation, he goes, even today my complaint is bitter. His hand is heavy in spite of my groaning. If only I knew where to find him, if only I could go to his dwelling. And what God, uh, Job is doing there, number three, is he kept on searching for God. During, during his friends' trials, and you know, his friends said hectic things to him, you know. They did come to him before and they sat for seven days not saying a word because they were so shocked with Job, they couldn't speak. And everything went well until they opened up their mouths. So when you want to, you know, take care of somebody or when somebody's going through suffering and stuff, don't come up with cheesy little lines to help them feel better. Just be there for them. Just be there for them. Just be a shoulder. Just love them, you know. And um, so they should never have actually spoken. But anyway, he kept on searching for God. And, and here's something that Job says there. He says he prays, but he can't see God or can't feel God. And here's a revelation. God is not a parent. You're often not going to see him feel him he's not going to be on your left or your right often you're going to go through trials and times and you're not going to know where god is but he is fully aware of you and what you are going through um verse 10 but he knows the way that i take he says job when he has tested me i will come forth as gold now can you say that you know in your worst trial i don't know what's happening with me i'm suffering i've lost a child we've got people in here that have lost children not 10 children, one child. I mean, just imagine how bad one child must be doing that. You go through all of that stuff, but you pray and you say, I don't know what's happening with me, but I know that God is going to refine me like gold. Good is going to come from this. Having that faith, keep on seeking.
for God. You know Romans 8.28, and we know that God causes us to work together for good for all of those who love Him. And here's Job's view of sovereignty. And this should be our view of sovereignty. You know, what is hidden to us is not hidden to God. And when you grasp that, it will revolutionize your pain. When you, when you really realize that you just in this moment, you've got this microscopic view of what's happening in your life, there's this pain and suffering that you think is probably a bad thing, but maybe it's not, because bad things and suffering in the hands of God can be amazing. It, it's gems for us. It's gems for us. It's how we grow, okay? God can be worshipped apart from His blessings and His gifts. He can. You know, and I follow Him whether He blesses me or doesn't bless me. Whether He strokes me with blessings or whether He strikes me with pain, I am following God. Okay, and then suddenly Elihu, it's another dude that rocks up on the scene. He's the youngest of all four of them. He was also not really accurate because some of the things that the prince said to Job is accurate, some of them is not accurate, okay? So Elihu comes and he, he's, he's the wisest of them all. He's angry at the friends because they talk the way they do with Job, but he's also angry with Job because Job is defending himself the whole time. Job is saying, I didn't do wrong, I didn't do wrong. I want to speak to God. I want to chat with him. I want to defend myself. I did nothing wrong. That's what Job does during this whole time. And Elihu comes and he does a wonderful thing. He helps Job to take his focus off the problem and the things that he doesn't understand and look up to God's greatness. And that's number four. Focus on God's greatness. When last did you go and lie outside, look at the stars, focusing on God's greatness, taking your eyes off the problem, the things that you don't understand, looking at God's goodness, looking at Jesus, looking at His greatness, just letting go, go of it. Because once that happens, you realize that His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. You know, the heavens are higher than, 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 than my heavens and my world. You know, that whole scripture where God talks about, you know, you don't know my ways, you don't know my thoughts that I have for you. Okay? Which is just so, you know, our dog, Rupert. Oh, it's a little snazzerky. So, so Rupert... When I give him something to eat and I put it down there on the floor, uh, while he's trained, I can keep it here, yeah, I can do this, I can, I can do many things with Rupert, okay? So if I put it down there and he looks at it, he's not allowed to touch it until I go, good boy. But he looks at it and I say, Rupert, down. Rupert, Rupert, what he does is he looks up to the master. He looks up to me. He doesn't look at the temptation and to all of that stuff. He looks up to me because, it, you know, that's how he manages to stay there and sit there. He's not going to run there until I say, good boy. And just like Rupert, I have to remember, I have to keep my eyes up, you know, to the master. And, um, ah, man. And then God appears. Right at the end, God appears. He appears in a whirlwind. And um, the Lord starts speaking to Job out of the storm. So remember, four is he focuses, focus on God's greatness during your time of, of, of struggle. The Lord speaks. He says, who is this that obscures my plans with, with words without knowledge where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. And then God gives Job the science quiz. Okay? He tells him, who are you to say things about why you suffer, why you don't suffer, if none of you have got a flippant clue why I do what you do? Who are you that thinks you're so great in your understanding? And he goes and gives him the science quiz. He talks about the foundations of the earth and the sea and the thunder and the deer and the... And, and I mean, he goes through the entire, you know, spectrum of the physical world, asking Job, can you do this? Can you do this? Job, would you like to just for one day rule the world the way that I do? Okay. And the reason he does that, okay, the reason God does that is that God wants to make you understand and Job understand. You want, what he's doing this, he says, if you can't even understand what I do in the physical world, 
How on earth are you ever going to try and understand what I do in the spiritual world? Really? Then Job answers. Oh, man, he says, and this is number five. Job stopped talking. It's number five. He stopped talking. He says, I'm unworthy. How can I reply to you? I put my hand over my mouth. I spoke once, but I have no answer. Twice, but I will just shut up and say no more. You know? When last in your trials have you kept quiet? Go sit outside. Not talk. Do a ministry course. Go out, try and do some good work. Help someone. I mean, that's what we do. We're always busy, 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 busy with God things, God's things. And sometimes God just wants us to say to shut up and to sit with Him for an hour and keep quiet and hear what he has to say to us because that is what 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 job does he says i'm not going to keep quiet okay and um then number six job repents it's number six my ears had heard of you but now my eyes have seen you therefore i despise myself and repent in dust and ashes you know, at the time they only heard about god Job loved God and everything, but at that moment he had deep revelation, like I'm sure all of you, Jesus Christ existed, it was a revelation, like the revelations God gave me, and he had that revelation, and he didn't just hear about this anymore, he experienced God, he saw God, and it was so heavy for him, you know when he, um, Isaiah, when he saw a vision from God, he went, oh, woe is me, he said, woe is you, but woe is me, you know, you know, when Peter realized that Jesus was divine, he just, when he realized that, he said, just stay away from me. I'm a sinful man. Please just stay away from me. Because at the end, nobody's good. Why do bad things happen to good people? Good that we think is good is like filthy rags to God. What Mother Teresa did to God is like filthy rags. Think about it. God says, what you do is like filthy rags because you can't compare yourself to my holiness only by the blood of Jesus. That's the only reason we can come into God's holiness because we're covered by blood. So he repented because of his ignorance. His arrogance. I've repented many times where I knew for a fact I was right, but I had to repent because of my pride. You know, say, you know, say sorry, repent. And then number seven. <laughs> then number seven. This is the, probably one of the hardest ones. God says to him, go pray for your friends, the ones that accused you, the ones that hurt you, the ones that judged you. Go and pray for them. They're going to bring an offering. I want you to pray for them even though they slashed you. Now remember, they still didn't know what was happening to friends. They didn't know that God was here speaking to him. These things were happening in heaven and the friends knew they were going to be in the Bible one day. The friends were still there, you know. what? And Job had to go and pray for them. And what is interesting, when it comes to that, verse 10, when Job prayed for his friends, God restored his fortune. That's Christianity 303, dudes. That is not all any. You know, people that have persecuted, that hurt you, forgiveness, because you've got to remember, forgiveness is primary for God. Primary, above everything else, forgiveness. Primary. Because his son died, and from the cross said, forgive these people because they don't know what they're doing. You can be the greatest, love, I mean, lover of God. If, you do, if you've got unforgiveness in your heart, God says, up, 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 up. Sort that out first, before anything else. Okay? So, in closing, just to recap, worship. Worship when you go in times through trouble. Number two, don't allow yourselves to be robbed of what you know already with God. Keep on searching for God. Number three, focus on His greatness. Focus on God's greatness. Stop talking. Get quiet. Repent and then pray and forgive. You know, 
Um, the great Christian scholar C.S. Lewis was once asked, um, why do righteous people suffer? And his reply was, why not? They're the only ones that can handle it. And, um, and let me tell you, our suffering, our suffering, people have asked me, yo, Heike, you've been, during a, you've been through suffering, you've been through, you know, rehab and trials, we've got a very similar story, you know, John and I, you can, you know, how do you, you know, when you look at suffering around you, how can you be a Christian? Where's the loving God? I say, it's because I'm a Christian that I can see this and that I can go and endure trials. It's because we are um, with God, who we know and what we know. So next time when you go through suffering and you don't understand things, don't, don't be busy with the things that you don't understand. Go to the things that you don't understand. And what is that? God says, Job said, I know my Redeemer. He lives. And stay in that place. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. You might be asking yourself the question, how can I take this further? Firstly, you can send us your contact details to cindy at centerchurch.co.za where we can include you in our online connect groups and you can receive our daily devotional. Secondly, you can hop on our website where you can access previous sermons and find out more about who we are at Center Church. Thirdly, if you consider yourself as part of Center Church, we want to thank you so much for your ongoing financial partnership. The banking details are on the website. Thank you so much for joining us and hope you have an amazing Sunday.